leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards in stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. The growing problem of bacterial resistance to antibiotics represents a significant public health threat that's been made worse by the dearth of new therapies that have come to market. Amplified Biosciences is developing bacteriophages, viruses that infect and kill bacteria, to provide a way to target drug-resistant bugs. We spoke to Paul Grint, CEO of Amplify, about the health need. Amplify's approach and why harnessing these natural killers of bacteria may provide a promising source of new therapeutics. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Pleasure. Glad to be here today. We're going to talk about the problem of antibiotic resistance, bacteriophages, and the efforts of Amplify to use these natural predators to target resistant bacteria. Let's start with the problem, though. How big a concern is drug-resistant bacteria today? Well, it's a very large concern. And um, over the last two or three years, um, there's been a lot of information out uh, in the medical community, but also in the lay press. Um, Certain countries you'll see uh, quite frequently that newspaper articles are written about it, particularly uh, in the United Kingdom and Australia. We sometimes see that here in the U.S. But I think really importantly, it, it, it rose to the level of the World Health Organization back uh, just over a couple of years ago in 2015, you know, making some very profound public statements, uh, a little bit doom and gloom, to be honest, about the sort of post-antibiotic era, looking forward into the future, potentially at a point where uh, many of the infections that we now treat um, you know, fairly well for patients, particularly in hospital, uh, potentially having a situation where, where no drugs would be available for those patients. And this was uh, followed by a number of other actions that occurred, including publishing of a, of a sort of priority list of pathogens, again by the World Health Organization, actually in February of this year, highlighting you know, on the sort of league table the, the types of bacteria that they believe potentially are, are very important now and will be even more important in the future with regards to resistance. And how did we get here? Why, why do we have this problem? Uh, that's a great question. Um, there are probably several reasons. So, so bacteria themselves, you know, are, are organisms that, that grow or reproduce incredibly quickly. And, and as a consequence of that, and as part of their, their natural selection process to, to do well and survive, they have the ability to mutate. 
Uh, and you know, and they will mutate, obviously, as I said, to to survive. And part part of that mutation may be, uh, you know, mutating and developing resistance to antibiotics if they're in a situation where they're exposed to antibiotics. So I think there there are several components. One one key one, which I think many people recognise, as we've talked about for a while now, is has been the growing and and widespread use of of many antibiotics. Um, you know, in in the Human food chain in the feedstock, um, and you know many farmers uh, have been using antibiotics widely, uh, you know, on a broad basis in animals to keep them healthy and uh, and obviously increase their their potential yield of meat. Now, you know, back, many of those bacteria can cross over from animals to humans, and so chronic exposure of uh, those bacteria to antibiotics in foodstock can mean that as a consequence, you know, those bacteria translate to humans already uh, highly resistant. Um, the other thing is that, to be honest with you, we've, we've over the last 10 or 15 years, we have not had a lot of new antibiotics uh, in development. And so many of the antibiotics we have now are ones that were developed 10, 15, 20 years ago uh, that are still used relatively routinely. Um, and uh, I think it's important, obviously, as the bacteria develop resistance, that we actually get new novel mechanism therapeutics that we can bring in to try and treat these resistant infections. Uh, you, your company, Amplify, is working to develop a, a pipeline of bacteriophages, which have long been used to kill bacteria, though they fell out of favor in Western Europe and the United States as antibiotics emerged. What are bacteriophages and, and where are they found? Bacteriophages are actually, they're, they're viruses that, uh, that can infect and kill bacteria. So in essence, they've been around for as long as bacteria have been around. Um, so the interesting situation is when they were first discovered uh, actually 100 years ago this year. Um, so they've been known about for quite some time. And as you just pointed out, um, if, if you look back in, the, in about the 1930s, they were actually sold commercially by some companies in uh, in Europe and the United States to treat uh, to treat infected wounds predominantly. So these were more more topical use. Um, penicillin was discovered in 1928, I, I recall, and actually its use didn't really come in until the early 1940s. But with the the more widespread use of penicillin and then subsequent antibiotics that uh, that were developed and introduced. The uh, you know the role of bacteriophages sort of uh, really did decline uh, to a point where they weren't being used anymore in Western Europe and the United States, but in fact still in parts of Eastern Europe and parts of the former Soviet Union they were still used uh, and, and are still used to this day. Um, so so they have been around for, for quite a while. So so they're very interesting organisms. Um, so they are very precise for a, for a particular bacteria, and, and two of the products that we currently have in the clinic that we're developing is, uh, is a product specifically targeted at Staphylococcus aureus, uh, and a second product targeted at Pseudomonas aeruginosa. So those are the two we currently have in the clinic, and we're in the process of, of actually constructing some more to take into clinical trial well, at a future date. How do they actually work? How do bacteriophages kill bacteria? So the, the way they work is, as I said, they're incredibly precise. They'll actually recognize um, certain sort of binding sites, one want a better term, on the outside of a bacteria, and that's what gives it the specificity. The bacteriophage will bind. These are DNA viruses. They then, in essence, inject their DNA into the bacteria. They then take over 
the whole process of the bacteria really they will generate a lot more new viruses they will replicate and 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 the phages we develop actually are called lytic phages so what they end up doing is is, is lysing or killing the bacteria which bursts open freeing up uh, you know thousands of new bacteriophages to go on and infect the same organism uh, so that that's 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 the nature of their precise killing. Um, they also have a very interesting other mechanism, which uh, which is very important as one thinks about certain types of infections. And um, bacteria frequently will um, will actually produce what's called a biofilm. For want of a better term, it's a sort of like a like a slimy film around the bacteria that can protect them, uh, you know, in a relatively hostile environment such as parts of the human body. And in fact, that biofilm uh, can protect the bacteria by making it actually very difficult for antibiotics to penetrate that and get to the bacteria. We've got really good evidence uh, both both in vitro and in animal models and now actually in human studies to show that in fact bacteriophages will, will disrupt and reduce that biofilm. So again, that's another me mechanism whereby they could be very useful as a therapeutic option. You have a, an unusual strategy for finding bacteriophages to target drug-resistance bacteria. I'm wondering if you can explain where you look for them, and what you've learned about the best time of day for looking at them. Yes, no, we, we are, so basically the bacteriophages are found where the bacteria are. Uh, and so we do, um, you know, we are working with natural phages, and, uh, you know, we can come on to talk about obviously how we purify them and make them suitable for, for a human therapeutic product that can be injected. But, but we actually find them where you find bacteria, so that's out in the environment. So, um, you know, we uh, of late have actually been looking uh, for particular bacteriophages of interest when one thinks about, uh, you know, highly resistant infections, uh, and obviously one thinks about those being present in hospitals. Um, you know, we, we actually can harvest these, in essence, from wastewater, you know, from these institutions. Um, and that's, that's one place that, that we actually get them from, and one can actually find them out in, in other, you know, other, other areas in the world. Historically, there are great stories of them being sort of harvested out, you know, associated with, with sewage treatment plants, but, but now we're a little bit more targeted in where we go and, and harvest them. And I think to your point, what, what's of interest as we found out is, as you think about a big hospital institution, um, you know, we originally were, were going to the certain hospitals to try and harvest bacteriophages, you know, in the morning. And we weren't doing very well at doing that, and then it transpired. That's not a good time because that's a time when obviously a lot of cleaning goes on, and, and patient showering, and patient washing, and, and a lot of non-specific antibacterial products being used. Uh, obviously, going into the wastewater, uh, and that actually reduces our ability to harvest them. If one goes, you know, late afternoon or early evening, then we found actually we could uh, do a much better job at uh, finding them. Well, you, you mentioned your your pipeline before, but perhaps you can walk through that again and, and tell me why you focused on the particular bacteria you focused on. Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, so currently, we we actually have, uh, as I said, two pro programs in the clinic: one targeting Staphylococcus aureus uh, and one targeting Pseudomonas. So, so if you if you look particularly from the U.S. standpoint. Um, you know, at the number, uh, the sort of ranked lead table of, uh, you know, of resistant bacterial infections in terms of numbers and patient deaths a year. Actually, uh, resistant staff, in particular, methicillin resistant staff, is up there uh, as one of the, of the most frequent, you know, with, with somewhere 
just under 100,000 uh, hospital-associated infections with a mortality rate that's now, I think, in excess of 10,000 a year. So clearly, that's, that's an important organism to target. Um, Pseudomonas is one that is, is less frequent, with probably you know, around 7,000 uh, resistance infections reported per year, but one that is very, very difficult to treat. We, we currently have very few antibiotic options to treat uh, resistor, multidrug resistant pseudomonas infections. Um, we happen to have uh, great bacteriophages in our library. We collect phages over time you know, to construct our products. Uh, and, and those are the two products where we actually had, uh, had good phages available, which were able to scale up, you know, through a formal manufacturing process and, and produce a hemotherapeutic product with. Now, we're not stopping there. Um, we obviously want to, to uh, create more products, and we're in the process of doing that. And, and what's useful, in a way, I mentioned the World Health Organization sort of lead table before of, of problematic organisms. You know, clearly we're focused on on ones that are near the top of that table, ones, you know, pathogens that are, are very problematic from a treatment standpoint. And is your expectation that these would be used as monotherapies, or would they likely be used in combination with existing antibiotics? No, I, I, I generally think they're going to be used in combination. Um, the, the types of patients that we're treating now are patients who have perhaps been already on two or three courses of different antibiotics, um, you know, the bacteria has become resistant to those, the patient's not responding. Generally, they may be on the antibiotic of last choice, and then we, we're adding in bacteriophage treatment. Uh, also, some of the, some of the uh, biology I've talked about, I think, is, is important as well. If you put aside the direct killing ability of the bacteriophage, you know, clearly uh, bacteriophage's ability to disrupt biofilm could potentially enhance antibiotic activity, so that's a, a good scientific rationale combination. And then the third component that we, we have a lot of preclinical work on, but now we've been able to demonstrate actually clinically, is um, is very interesting mechanism. As you treat with bacteriophages, the bacteria try to, to mutate. They try to develop resistance to bacteriophage. And in so doing so, um, we have seen actually that um, it can actually restore sensitivity to antibiotics. So in other words, as the bacteria is trying to battle against the bacteriophage, it drops some of the mechanisms that it had for antibiotic resistance. And so again, if you think about it from a treating infectious disease doctor standpoint, you know, that, that's a tremendous utility to have if you introduce a therapeutic then component that could then you know, restore utility of perhaps of antibiotics that used before that uh, the bacteria had developed resistance to. Have we seen uh, uh, bacteriophage approved in the, the U.S. by the FDA, and, and what's the path forward for you? Good question. No, we, we, we do not, uh, we have not seen any bacteriophages approved, uh, not just in the U.S., but also in the European Union. Um, so, so the path forward is, and we're currently working with the FDA and we have ongoing dialogue, is, is with respect to developing, one, it's a biologic, so clearly there's, there's a whole different, uh, you know, sort of manufacturing side of things as compared to small molecule antibiotics. But two, just given the nature of the biology, they're, they're precisely targeted. So again, what's a little different from antibiotics that may kill a number of different types of bacteria just is the specific nature of the bacteriophage. So this really is a, a called sort of a pathogen-focused development program. 
Um, the good news is, though, fairly recently there have been guidelines that have come out uh, from the FDA and other organisms recognizing the need for, for pathogen-focused types of development programs. And so we're, we're currently, um, you know, in, in early stage development. We've completed phase one. Uh, we're in dialogue with the FDA with regard to what, uh, you know, a, a phase two type of study would look like with a goal of actually commencing that study next year. Well, your pipeline's on partner at this point. Would you anticipate finding partners to commercialize your product, or would you do this on your own? No, we are on partners at this point in time. That is correct. We are fairly early stage. We, we are very much open to partnership. Um, I've, uh, you know, previously worked, uh, worked for small companies that have had large pharmaceutical partners who've helped us both in the later stage development and, and the commercialization aspects. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's something that can benefit both parties. You know, clearly if there are partner companies out there that have, you know, obviously have the, the capability of, uh, you know, of, of helping commercialize uh, products in the infectious disease space, that would be a great advantage. The GAIN Act was an important piece of legislation to encourage development of antibiotics. Many drug developers moved away from developing new antibiotics because of the risk of resistance developing before they could recoup their investment in a drug. If I remember correctly, you were actually involved in the effort to get the GAIN Act passed, but this is not something you stand to benefit from. Is that correct? Do we need to rethink the GAIN Act given new approaches to fighting drug-resistant microbes? So, so you're correct that there were a number of us uh, in companies who, who were involved in, in the GAIN Act uh, now about uh, four or five years ago. Um, it, it, was, it, was, it was great to have that actually enacted. It really did support uh, the development of new antibiotics. And, and some of the companies now that have antibiotics will, will say outright that, in fact, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing now if the GAIN Act, you know, didn't exist. But part of the problem we had, and, I, and it probably just was our thinking and focus at the time, was on uh, small molecule antibiotics, um, was that it is, it is specific to small molecules. So it does not apply to biologic products. And if you look at um, you know, some of the, the newer mechanism drugs that are in development, whether it's, it's, it's sort of bacteriophage products like the one we have, or monoclonal antibodies, for example, directed against bacteria or certain bacterial toxins, or um, there's, a, there's a class of drugs called lysins, these are proteins uh, that, that can actually cause bacterial cell lysis. Unfortunately, those, those, uh, the GAIN Act does not apply to those, so it actually um, you know, puts those companies working in the biologic space at somewhat of a disadvantage as compared to companies working in the small molecule space. So clearly, you know, if, if we could level that playing field, it would be, I think, very, very encouraging and important to try and bring uh, novel mechanism therapeutics into the antibacterial space. Any expectation that may happen? or? Well, we, we are discussing how, how best to, to accomplish that. So at this point in time, uh, think positively, absolutely, we hope we can do that. How long it'll take, uh, I'm not sure. Paul Gint, CEO of Amplify. Paul, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. 
We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.